0: Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Pastor, would you pray for us?
1: Sure will. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we can assemble mm. together on this Christmas morning and celebrate the birth mm. of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The greatest Christmas gift uh, ever received by any man, any human being on this earth, is you coming to provide a way of salvation for us. And I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't take it for granted. Mm. I pray we wouldn't forget or lose sight of the real reason that we celebrate this time of year, and that's to honor, to remember mm. your birth, your coming, and all that we have as a result. But Lord, I just pray this morning that you will bless our time. I pray everything we say and do would bring honor and glory to you, and I pray that you will work this morning in our midst. We mm. pray these things and ask them all in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Please stay standing with me. Please turn your hymn books to 320, just a few pages more. Ring the bells, 320. We'll stay standing. Ring the bells. Mm-hmm.
2: At his royal throne, he has come to claim his own. Christ the Lord has come to earth. Go spread the news of Jesus' birth.
0: Praise the Lord. I love that part. It says, go spread the news of Jesus' birth. That's what we should do this Christmas. All right. You may be seated. All right. We'll have pastor come do an All right.
1: Okay. Well, welcome everyone. Merry Christmas. It's not the norm that we have Christmas or we have Christmas on a Sunday. Yeah, that's what I want to say. So it is unusual. And I know it's uh, kind of a big deal to take part of your Christmas day and come to church, but I appreciate you all making it a priority and being here today. Um, I was talking with some friends, they got it all figured out 11 years before Christmas lands on a Sunday again. So that's a few years away and uh, who knows, maybe we'll all be in heaven by then. I don't know if the Lord raptures us out of here, but uh, it is good to be here. It's good to see you all on Christmas Day. So just a few announcements. Really, I'll just focus on the next coming thing, which is the last thing on our list and that is Saturday to come, the 31st, we're going to have a New Year's Eve get-together. It says party on here. I don't know. I just think sometimes you say party and it's got the wrong connotation. I guess it doesn't. you got birthday parties, right? Nobody thinks poorly of that. So we're going to have a a New Year's Eve party, we'll call it that. But it's a church party. It's not like the (laughs) world has. So we're going to have pizza and snacks and games and just enjoy some fellowship and time together. So 6 p.m. we'll get together and uh, you're all welcome to come and stay as long as you want uh, and leave when you're ready to go. That's perfectly fine, but I encourage you to come if you can. It should be a great time, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun. So prayerfully, everyone's already having a good day. You had a good morning today, and uh, being here will prayerfully add to that and be a blessing. So I don't think I have any other announcements. So ushers, come on down if you would. Caleb, can you pray for the offering, bud?
0: God, thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. Thank you for coming to earth, Lord, and then dying for our sins, Lord. And uh, please bless the offering, Lord, and please bless the service, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm just going to sing one more. Please turn the hymn books to 340. I changed it on us. I just was thinking as we're talking about how he came and died for us. I was like, you know what? It's not really a Christmas song, but I think it really is. This, the day he came and was born, the first Noel, he came to die on the cross for our sins. And you know, I think just that's Jesus Christ right there. He came, he was born, we celebrate when he was born. But I think we should also celebrate when he died for us, because that's why he came. And he came to be born so that he could die on the cross for our sins. Uh, Please stand with me. 340, the old rugged cross. action. We'll have Pastor come up and preach.
1: Good thing he let you know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. We are gonna be in Luke chapter two this morning. Out of respect for the reading of God's word, why don't we stand together, and we're going to read a chunk here, and then we'll pray and be seated. It says, And it came to pass in those days, beginning in verse number one, that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. Each person who's here with us this morning, and I know Christmas carries with it, it bears with it many family traditions and uh, things that we do, Lord, and uh, get-togethers that are planned and celebrations that are, that are all part of our, our traditional family Christmas celebration. And Lord, in truth, having Christmas land on a Sunday could be a real hindrance to people's uh, day, it can really uh, disrupt their plans, but it also um, is something that uh, people could have just chosen not to be at, to be a part of. And Lord, I just thank you for everyone who's here making it a priority, given that it is a Sunday, to honor you and to celebrate your birth and to make part of that celebration being in your house with your people today. And I just thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of all the people here. And Father, I pray that now as we go to your word, you'd work in our hearts. I pray that you will bless, that you will accomplish your plan, your will, your purpose through the message that you have for us today. And Lord, I just ask you to bless and to speak and to, uh, to do all that you'd see fit to do. And We just ask these things and we pray them all in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. So we've got a, a message that's being delivered in this passage this morning, and the message is really delivered by three different persons or groups of people, and uh, we're going to focus on that this morning, this Christmas message, but also on the messengers and uh, messengers, there we go, and what, what took place and what transpired and how uh, they were both sharing that message but also motivated to share that message and uh, prayerfully it'd be a challenge to us. You know, we live in a time, and it's been this way as long as I've been alive, that Christmas is very much commercialized and I suppose it just continues to get worse and worse uh, as time goes on and distractions are put in place. and. People are attempting to detract from the fact that Christmas, we celebrate Christmas to celebrate Christ. And, uh, you know, for years I worked in retail. It's not as, it hasn't been as in my face this year as it was in the past because working in retail, you weren't supposed to say Merry Christmas to people. It was Happy Holidays, uh, which, you know, people got Merry Christmas from me, so uh, I never got any flack for it or anything, but um, that was what they requested. All the decorations were happy holidays. And, uh, you know, I remember years ago it was uh, something, I forget how they said it, but it was all about winter solstice. And at the time I'm like, I'm 20 years old. I don't even know what winter solstice is or 23 or whatever. I'm like, what's the big deal? Why are we decorating our store and celebrating winter solstice at Christmas time? It made no sense to me. And then finally... You know, they came, and I'm just thinking, that was a one-time deal. They never did that again. I'm sure they probably didn't get the most uh, uh, accepting feedback from that. But just the ways that A, Christmas has been changed, or the focus of it has been changed, but B, the way that so many are trying to just make Christmas a, a universal holiday in which all kinds of uh, things can be honored or respected or... Uh, But in so doing, that just further detracts from the fact that the reason we celebrate is to remember the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at the messengers, their messages, and and, uh, I won't be real long this morning, I don't think, and I won't be real deep this morning either. So the first couple verses we're going to look at is verses 8 to 10. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So the first, the angel came and offered words of encouragement and comfort to start things off. Uh, The first thing that this this angel said uh, was that they came to offer them... uh, Well, verse 9, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. So the first words were, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So it's interesting, but so often in the Bible, when the voice of God is heard or the presence of an angel is, is there and speaking, the initial response of people is to be afraid. It's to be afraid. Uh, A lot of times they fall down on their faces or they they hit the ground in humility and fear. Why is that? Why do they do that? Well, in Isaiah 6:5, when Isaiah was in heaven before God at his throne, and he sees the angels and or the cherubims and seraphims, and he's he's there in the presence of God, his response is, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I wonder if it's when they're in the presence of God or a heavenly being, it causes an inward reflection. That light that they see, you know, kind of like we sell it, We looked at on Wednesday night during the candlelight service, the light exposes things that are hidden, right? It... it uh, pushes the darkness away and brings things to light and I can't help but wonder if one of the reasons that people are always afraid when an angel appears in its heavenly form or the voice of God is heard, it causes people to be humbled and see their sin and see the reasons they ought to be afraid and the result is often change. When we're in the presence of God or his messengers, the angels in their heavenly condition, we see things that maybe we didn't see before. Or we think of things that maybe we hadn't thought of before because they're revealed. Uh, All of a sudden, we do a quick self-examination because we realize, hey, God is present or his angel is present. We also see him praising God. He says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Uh, He promised good news, not just for them, just for them, but for all people. Everyone, everywhere, that would be all people, right? I know we've said it many times, but the word all means simply all. That's what it means. So when it says that he's there to, uh, or he's coming to all people, or these blessings will be to all people, well, that's exactly what it means. Romans ten eleven says, For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. I like that word, whosoever, because I fall into the whosoever category. I'm a whosoever, you're a whosoever, we're all whosoever, so when the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, that's just what it means. It means you and I can be saved. In verse 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, that's in Romans, sorry, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. And then that verse I just quoted, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If we're curious what the word whosoever means, well, the Bible spelled it out in verse 12. There's no difference between the Jew or the Greek. It's to all people. Whosoever means everyone. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we have a whosoever will gospel. Because it means it is available for me. In our text here in Luke, verses 11 and 12 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly... uh, Whoops, stops right there. So then he announced the Savior's birth. So he, he comes and he offers some consolation or some consoling. Don't be afraid. Fear not. I've got... Excuse me, I've got good tidings for you, of great joy. This is the message that I'm bringing to all people. And he tells them of the Savior being born. Similar to the message that was delivered to Joseph, if you look with me over in Matthew chapter number 1, Matthew chapter number 1 and verse number 21. It says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, I won't get into a lot of depth on this, but there's a difference between what it says in Matthew and what it says in Luke. We've talked a lot about this in Sunday mornings a little bit, but more in Sunday school and in Sunday afternoons. The book of Matthew is is one of the four gospels, but it is written to the Jew to demonstrate Christ as their king. I believe here when it says, and he shall save his people, I believe that's specifically speaking of the Jew. Now, over in Luke, it's a different message. It says, which shall be to all people. It doesn't just say his people, it says all people. So it's a little bit different message. Uh, and they do come together, and we just read one spot over in, uh, in Romans 10. I just read where it says there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. After Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, there was something that took place, and it wasn't his people and all people. It was all people, all people. Well, it's technically what it means there, too, is all people. But. So the only difference was the, the audience. But Christ as the Savior. He did come to the whole world. He did come to all mankind, and we can be thankful for that. Then we see the heavenly host's message. So first we have the angel. And then we have the heavenly host in verses 13 and 14. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So they praised God. We always talk about the angels singing. You know, just, I'm going to point this out, take it for what it is. We always, all of our Christmas carols talk about the angels singing, right? Hark the herald angels sing. Silent night talks about them singing. But you notice what it says in verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, it doesn't say singing, Uh, were they singing? I don't know, but the Bible doesn't clearly state they were singing, but we always sing that they were singing, and we always say that they were singing, it's just kind of an interesting uh, note, uh, study it out for yourself, I'm not going to crush all the Christmas carols this morning. (laughs) we still sing them all I still sing them all and love them so don't don't take it for what it is but it's just kind of a neat little note that uh, I thought was kind of a fun uh, fun thing to look at so they were praising God and you know sometimes we think the only way to praise God is through singing and how often do we sing hopefully you know we have a song in our heart and and we have a medley uh, in our in our minds and we Think or sing or hum, or we praise God throughout the day in song, but that's not the only way we can praise God. So if we don't have a song in our heart at any given moment, we can still praise God with our words and speak praises of Him. It doesn't have to be in song. Uh, David praised God and it wasn't always in song. Others praise God and it's not always in song. In fact, we're going to see in a moment here when uh, Thomas. A lot of times we refer to him as Doubting Thomas. When Thomas was confronted and he saw the Lord, he said, My Lord and my God. He spoke it. In a sense, he praised God. He praised Christ as his God, and it wasn't just sung. So we can praise God, and we ought to. And today is a good day to remember that, to be reminded of that, that we praise God for the fact that he came. The fact that because he came, we have salvation Available to us and because he's provided it for us free and clear you know what quickly let's look over at Romans chapter 5 I had a text message from a good friend of mine brother Coddle, this morning talking about uh, you know just Christmas being the greatest gift Christ being the greatest gift ever received greatest Christmas present if you will ever offered or ever provided Getting toasty in here. It's okay. Romans 5, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a gift, isn't it? Have peace with God. Verse 2, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Hang on. I might be ahead of myself here. I might want to read a little further down. It is further down. Start in verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So Adam was the figure of who was to come, Christ. Uh, What's the song we sing? It says, second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. It's Hark the Herald Angels Sing, isn't it? Yeah, the one I just poked at a little bit. (laughs) Verse number 15. But not as the offense, so also is the, notice that next phrase, those two words, free gift. A gift isn't really a gift if it's not free, right? It wouldn't be a gift. It would be a purchase or something that we acquired, that we worked for, earned. So it says, but not as the offense, the offense was the transgression that you and I all had before we trusted Christ as our Savior that we were guilty of that prevented us from having that peace with God we read about at the beginning of Romans 5. So not only as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense so, uh, for if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the here's that word again, gift by grace. Grace is unmerited favor, God's riches at Christ's expense is a acrostic we use. It was free. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it, but it's a gift, which is by one man. Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. So everyone in the world is one of two things. They're either condemned or they're justified. If you're here today, prayerfully, you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and are justified. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. You know why it's the gift of righteousness? Because my righteousness wouldn't get me to heaven. Only Christ's righteousness can get me to heaven. And it's a gift because Christ's righteousness has been imputed to my account. It has been placed on my account so that when God the Father sees me on On uh, Judgment Day, which for me will be the white throne. uh, No, it won't be the white throne. It'll be the judgment seat of Christ, the beaming seat of Christ. He will see Christ's righteousness when God looks at me. (laughs) Praise God, it won't be the white throne judgment. And we could keep going. It refers to the free gift again in verse 18 uh, and uh, so on. But what a blessing that Christ came, and it is a free gift, a gift to you and I that all of us, can know where we're going to spend eternity, all of us can have the peace of God and be at peace with God, which we'll talk about here in a moment. It is a blessing. And because of that, God is worthy of our praise. They glorified him. They praised in honor of his majesty. Verse number 3, 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. They glorified him. They praised him because he is worthy of it. Not because he had done anything for them, the angels, the heavenly host. He hadn't done anything for them to earn their praise, their worship, other than the fact he is God and he's worthy of it. We're going to come back to that a little bit later. Actually, we'll, we'll get to it right now. So, interesting thought. Do you understand? Angels never experience salvation. They don't experience God's grace the way that you and I do. Angels that have fallen, if you want to use that phrase, or they've sinned, they're, they're going to spend eternity in hell. There is no, uh, there is no choice for them. They, they don't have the option of trusting Christ as their personal Savior. But you and I do. So we have the privilege of experiencing God's grace, of receiving God's grace. So these heavenly hosts are praising God solely because of who he is. You and I ought to do that as well, but we also have the privilege of praising God for what he's done for us. So we have the blessing of glorifying him and praising him because he's God, he's our maker, he's our creator, he uh, has formed everything, he's formed you and I, he's given us life. He's done so many things for us, he's worthy of our praise as God, but he's also worthy of our thanksgiving and our praise because he's provided something for us that we couldn't provide for ourselves that we couldn't earn, we couldn't accomplish, that it was not available to us apart from him, and he's provided that for you and I. That's something to give him thanks and praise for. And that's what we're focusing on at Christmas time, is thanksgiving or giving him thanks for coming. It says, on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. We talked about that, I think it was last Sunday, or the Sunday before, I think it was last Sunday. Is that something that is available now? There is peace available now. We can have peace with God, we can have the peace of God, but so often we, I see bumper stickers celebrating, or this time of year that say, speak about peace in the world or world peace, that's the phrase they use, world peace. And you and I know that that day is not gonna come until Christ is on the throne. It's just not gonna happen. There's no weapon that will force world peace there's no policies that will force world peace. The globalists would try to tell you and try to convince you that when there's just one government in the whole world and there's no competition for oil and for uh, power and for uh, land, that that'll bring in world peace because you won't have the competition. No it, no, it won't. <laughs> it won't bring in world peace. It's just not going to happen until Christ is on the throne. And thankfully we know one day he will be on the throne. That day is coming. Uh, One day world peace will be a thing. But in the meantime, there is peace, the peace that passeth all understanding available to you and I, available to our neighbor, available to our cashier at the grocery store, to the person who pumps our gas. if If you choose to go have someone pump your gas, you don't want to do it yourself. If you're in New Jersey, that's everyone. There is this uh, peace that passeth all understanding available to your family members, your friends, to your mechanic, to those you come in contact with every day. It is available to them, but someone has to give them the message of peace, the message that Christ came and that he has died and that he was buried and that he rose again to offer a way of salvation for them. That righteousness is a free gift, that salvation is a free gift. Because the world would tell you, the religious person would tell you, it's something that can be earned, it's something that has to be achieved, it's something that we have, to, we have to acquire through all those different methods. But we know, because we believe the Bible, that that's not how we get salvation, it is through faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's how we can have the peace that passeth all understanding. I understand circumstances will sometimes strip us of our peace. Sin in our lives will sometimes strip us of our peace. There are things that certainly hinder that. But when we are living with and walking with God like we ought to be, and we are just trusting and resting in Him, then we have the peace that passeth all understanding. Colossians 1.20, I love this verse. Turn over there with me if you would. Colossians 1.20. And having made peace, I like that phrase right there. There was no peace apart from Jesus Christ. Well, how did he make it? Through the blood of his cross. By him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Peace is available because of Christ. In Christ alone. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. I referenced this a little bit earlier, and we saw it over in in, uh, Romans as well, chapter 10. In Ephesians 2, verses 14 to 17, it says, For he is our peace, not only has he made peace, he is our peace, who hath made both one, what's it talking about? Well, we'll see, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. He's talking about Israel and the Gentile, the Jew and the Gentile. The two were, one, uh, the two were separated. Up above, it talks about how us who were not Jews, we didn't have a promise. Uh, it talks about we were called the uncircumcision by the circumcision, and that there was no hope for us. But Christ is our peace. He's made peace, and He's made of two one new man. Talking about the Jew and Gentile. How? Well, in the body of Christ. It's no longer Jew or Gentile. You and I, if we're born again, are part of the body of Christ. We are now this one new man. Verse 16 And that He might reconcile, we were His enemies, but we are His friends or his children when we've been reconciled both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. That's both the Jew and the Gentile. Peace has been offered. Alright. So, we have peace with God and we are a part of that one body if we've been born again. Verses 15 to 20 it says over in Luke chapter two. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherd said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, "...they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them." So the shepherds came from the fields after hearing the angel and then the heavenly hosts, and then they come to the manger... And they see that what they had been told was true. And the result was they believed. They heard with their ears, they saw with their eyes, and they believed. You and I, we hear with our ears. What can we see? We don't get to see a physical Jesus Christ. We, we don't, obviously, we're not present to be able to see the baby in a manger. But we can see the effects that faith that the Word of God and the Spirit of God has in someone's life. I remember Brother Cottle years ago in in a Bible Institute class that I took with him. He said, you know, one of the greatest evidences that the Word of God is true is a changed life, a transformed life. Mm -hmm. And when you see somebody, you know, when you see a Fred who used to come to our church, I I don't remember how I came across it, but I was scrolling through the other day and I saw one of the videos that somebody took and sent me of when we baptized Fred and it was Andy was there helping, Steve, Brother Elliot, and Brother Gabe and I basically baptized him in the tank and he was a big guy and I was worried about him slipping. He also was on oxygen and just wasn't real healthy. And all four of us helped him up just to make sure, you know, when things are wet and you got a smooth surface, you don't want to take a digger. So we (laughs) helped him up and, but knowing what his past was, a drug addict, you know, used to, he was the, one of the guys in the state if you wanted to set up a meth lab, you'd call him and he'd come and he had all the formulas and all the things needed to be done for you to set up a meth lab. Like that's what he did. He used to help people with that. And then him sharing with me some of the abuse that he experienced as a kid, stuff that, I mean, awful stuff. That's why he ended up the way he did with the drugs and all that stuff a lot of it was probably just trying to forget the things that happened to him when he was a kid but you know the lord saved him and i remember the day we baptized him and i know i've shared this before it was actually this time of year it was i think the week or two weeks before christmas i remember him sitting on the front row and we did the afternoon service we just did his baptism that's all we did and i I Asked him, Fred, what song do you wanna sing? We're baptizing you today, it's, a, you know, it's an exciting day. I said, what, what's your favorite hymn? And he chose, Oh Holy Night, that was the song you wanna sing, which worked out good because it was Christmas time. And I get up here and I'm about to start and I look down and he's got a box of tissues next to him and the tears are just flowing and he is just a sobbing. And I, I mean, I'm not an emotional guy, so you know me, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm a big crybaby, so I'm like, wow, I got to go talk with him before I fall apart. So I go down and I said, are you okay, Fred? And through his tears, he just said, pastor, I never thought that something like this was available for someone like me. He said, I never thought that God would ever forgive someone like me. And he said, and I never thought that I could have be a part of a church And have a church family that genuinely loves me and that I love and he's just sobbing I mean just and his whole body's shaking he's crying so hard and I just give him a big hug and cried with him for a minute and I said and then I thought now I got to get up and try to start this service and not be a big blubbering fool up there but just that heart from what he was to what he what God made him and I know Ed and Julia while they're not saved they still talk about Fred. He just brought him up in the last week. They came up for his funeral that we did because they were so impressed. Having been a state trooper for so long, he was so impressed at the, the difference that God had made in his life. It was just profound. It was pretty amazing. And you know... Uh, that is a pretty tremendous evidence that this book is true when you see that effect in someone's life. Not everybody makes such a drastic change, certainly not so fast, but Fred was just a tremendous example of God's grace in someone's life. And you know, he didn't have to see anything. He believed by faith. That's what changed his life. At his funeral, I don't know why I get into all this, but at his funeral, he told me that the what mattered most to him, not knowing he was going to pass away, what mattered most to him was that his family would all have the opportunity to hear the gospel. That was what was most important to him, and the day that he passed away, <coughs> I went down, and I met his wife, and his daughter, and uh, son-in-law, and his son was there. He, I'd met him once or twice. I think he'd come, and uh I offered to do the service, which they agreed to, and then it took about a week to get things confirmed. I was thinking, I don't know if I'm gonna get to do it, but they did, it all came together. And there was about 60 people there, 60, 70 people, and probably 25 of them were our church folks, Ed and Julia. And I preached the gospel and presented the gospel, and I shared Fred's testimony as part of it, and I opened it up to people. Well, first I gave an invitation. And I've never, I mean, 60 people, 25 of them are people we know, and probably 25 raised their hands that they knew they needed to be saved. And I almost fell over, I'm thinking And I offered, you know, to talk to folks, offered an opportunity to get saved, and nobody wanted to nail things down, but we had tracks and everything out. So then I opened it up for some people to share some things, and uh, this guy comes up. I'd never met him. If I remember correctly, he had never met Fred. He had heard about him. He knew who he was and all, you know, his past and the things he'd done. But he gets up, and he just, he says, I wasn't going to say anything because I didn't even know Fred. I never even met him. It was He was married to his sister. But he said... I just felt like I God wanted me to get up here and say something. He said, what the pastor just said, it's true. You need to believe it. And he just started preaching. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> but he said, you know, he talked about another family member that was same kind of deal as Fred. That had gotten saved and God had changed his life and how he's a different person. He said, you saw Fred and you know, you, you know this relative and what God's done in their life. He said, you need to get saved. He said, you need to get it settled and know that you're, you're going to heaven. And So that was pretty neat. That was a blessing. I say all that to say we know that this book is true. We know that what we're celebrating today is true. How do we know it? Well, to my knowledge, everyone here has trusted Christ as their Savior, and we've experienced, I hate to, Use experience, because I don't want us to get charismatic or tied up with that, but we have experienced in our life God's grace. And we know what God has done for us. So we know it's true. Well, what do we do with that? Well, you know what the, uh, what the shepherds did with that when they went and they saw and they realized that what they had been told was true? Verse 17, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They took what they had learned and they went and made it known everywhere they went. They made it known abroad. They shared the message that had been shared with them because they had come to see that it was true. Well, how about us? We know that this message is true, we know that what we're celebrating is true, we know the book is true. Do we tell anyone? Have we told anyone? Do we make a habit of telling anyone about what God has done for us? I think a great way to praise God and to honor or or show thanks for what he's done for us is to share with others. That's what the shepherds did. They were it was impressed upon them that what they heard and saw was true and the result was they went and shared. They made it known abroad. And verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Praise Him, glorify Him, and I'd say we ought to show our gratitude by telling others, by sharing with others. It's a hard thing to do, believe me. I struggle with it. I'm not a real confrontational person. I get up here and I preach and that's one thing. I guess I I have the platform at that point and all I'm doing is presenting God's truth and I find it easier doing it this way than I do (laughs) one-on-one with somebody. I don't know why but now I used to be petrified of this too. I mean just and sometimes those old fears and reservations still creep in and I get nervous, but I'm thankful for God's grace. We have a message, you know, when we when we share with people, all we're doing is sharing with them what we've already believed ourselves. That's all we're doing. Are you gonna have every answer? Nope. I'm not gonna have every answer. I don't have every answer. I've been asked questions I don't know the answer to. Does it make me feel bad? Yeah, mostly my pride. <laughs> That's really the biggest thing. And it makes me realize I've got more learning to do. It's a good reminder that I've got to keep studying and keep learning. Uh, we'll probably get asked questions that we don't know the answers to. But we will hopefully have enough to tell them what we believed. You know, one of the greatest things we, we can do, Wednesday night we looked at Paul sharing his testimony with King Agrippa, and Festus, we can do that about our with our own life. We can share our personal testimony, what Christ did for us. Put some Bible in there. We have gospel tracks. Take a gospel track and walk them through the gospel track. Hit the bullet points. Different things we can do. Just give someone a gospel track. We can do that. Uh, my sister Danielle was just telling me that uh, her kids, I think Riley and Connor, right? They've been Go, they go to the store, and the two kids ask every time, do we have some gospel tracts we can give out? They're eight and six. Yeah, that's what I thought. Eight and six years old. What a blessing. Eight and six-year-olds can do it. Now, granted, most people probably don't say no to them. They probably or might say no to us, but they don't all. They don't all. Let's be faithful and share the message of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Yes, he came but there's so much more to the story than just he came. He came to be a savior to the whole world. Let's share the message. All right, that's what I got for today. Let's go ahead and pray, and we can dismiss. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truths that we've seen. Thank you for these three, the individual and then the groups that shared this message of Christ's birth, of his coming. And Lord, I pray that we here would be faithful to do the same. I know it's difficult to be confrontational. It's difficult to get out of our comfort zone. Maybe it's a struggle to take the time, or at least maybe that's an excuse that we use. Well, I don't have time to get into a conversation. Lord, I know this is something we talk about often. And we talk about it often because it's near and dear to your heart. And because it's near and dear to your heart, it ought to be near and dear to ours as well. Lord, I pray that we would be better witnesses for you. And Lord, one of the ways I believe we can show our love for you, we know it's to obey your commands and your commands not being grievous to us, and one of your commands is go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Lord, I pray we would be faithful to do our part of preaching the gospel, of sharing the gospel with the world. There are people all over that we know are going to die.